Lang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Happy Sunday, everyone! My name is Bodhi. I'm one of the pastors here in Victory, and I'm so glad that you could join us here today on site. I see a lot of familiar faces. I see Cap Allen there. I see Faye and Yanni there. Hey guys, it's nice for you of you to join us. And we also welcome those people joining us online. Uh, again, uh, before we start this preaching, it's not too late to invite your family, your friends. So go tag them so that they could join us for today's service. For those of you who are wondering, I'm actually preaching in the place of Pastor Ariel. He's out on vacation with his family. So yeah, just a shout out to Pastor Ariel. You've been working hard, so you deserve that rest. And I pray that this weekend would be joyful. That is actually the series title. Uh, we're on week three of our series entitled Joyful. And uh, we are actually talking about the true source of our joy, which is Jesus Christ. So you see, whatever situation we are in, even during the most trying of times, we know that we can find joy. We know that we can find contentment. We know that we can find hope as we learn to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. You see, that's the secret to experiencing joy. True joy is found not by pursuing things of the world, but by pursuing Christ alone. Now let me ask you this for the people here and for the people online. What do you want most right now? Come on, don't be shy. Just say it out loud for the people online. Share it on the comment section. The Lord is watching and reading. You do not have because you do not ask. Put it in the comment section right now. What do you want most right now? Is it money? Come on, raise your hand if you want that. Uh, is it money? Is it a new car, a new home, a new job? Probably a Valentine. You have 11 months to look for one. Travel or a cheeseburger? What do you want most right now? I really want to read your answers. I will go through it later. But in Philippians 3, we see Paul's answer to the question, what do you want most right now? And his answer is Jesus Christ. Wow, Christian. And, you know, um, we might say that, you know, Bodhi, that, 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 that's already a given. But is it really? Is it really a given that Christ is the one that we want most above everything else? As we look back at the decisions that we have made the past week, is it evident in the way that we did our business deals? Is it evident in the way that we conversed with each other? We related with each other? Is it evident in... Our budgeting. You see, it's easy to say that I want Christ more than anything. Easy to say, but hard to live out every single day. We have to constantly remind ourselves of this desire that we are cultivating inside of us because too many times, Christ takes the backseat in our lives without us even knowing. So we need to constantly remind ourselves of this. Again, true joy is found not by pursuing things of this world, but by pursuing Christ alone. We will learn more of this as we continue our study in the book of Philippians. Today, we are reading from Philippians chapter 3. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles. And for the people here in the assembly hall, I'd like to invite you to stand up as we give reverence to the Word of God. Again, we're reading from Philippians chapter 3. I'll be reading from the ESV version. We'll be reading verses 7 to 11. 
It says here, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, become like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your great love that we can celebrate every single day. And we thank you even for your word that continues to encourage us, that continues to strengthen us, that continues to point us in the right direction. Thank you so much that today as we read and study your word, that you will be the one to speak your personal message to each and every person listening to this message. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to open our hearts, open our minds, take away any distractions and allow us to receive in our hearts your impartation for us today. Transform us and help us to find joy in whatever situation we are in right now. We praise you and glorify you. Bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may take your seats and I will just test my mic once again, if that's okay. Still nothing? All right. So that is the word of the Lord. And you know, when we look at the book of Philippians, the book that we are studying right now, it is a very interesting piece of work. Because when you look at it, it's actually a letter written by Paul to encourage the believers in Philippi. But in truth, the one who looked like he needed encouragement was actually Paul. Because as he was writing this letter, he was actually in prison. How would you feel if you were in prison? It would be sad. It would be lonely. Would you be in a position to encourage other people? And to top that all off, you know, Paul, he was in prison not because he committed a serious crime, not because he did something bad. He was actually in prison because he was preaching about Jesus Christ. If you were Paul, how would you react? But you know, Paul, instead of starting a revolt, instead of playing the victim, what did Paul do? It is evident in his letter that Paul was filled with so much passion. It was evident that Paul was filled with so much joy. And he couldn't help but share it with other people. What was his secret? Was Paul crazy? How was he able to do that? Paul's secret, Jesus Christ. And Paul somehow invites us to do the same thing. He invites us to follow his example. In the opening verse of chapter 3, Paul invites us to rejoice in the Lord. I will say that again. He invites us to rejoice in the Lord. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Paul was, um, you know, he repeats this all throughout the letter as if it was really his full encouragement to the people who were experiencing persecution as well. Let me ask you, what do you rejoice in this season? What gives you joy? What do you delight in? Is it food? It would be evident in the pants that we can't wear anymore. 
Because we enjoy too much. Is it baking? Is it your dog? Is it, you know, plants? Is it Korean drama? And you know, nothing wrong about these things. They're actually good ways to pass time. But if in our hearts we are seeking for true and lasting joy, we have to learn to pursue things that are eternal above the temporal. Rejoicing in the Lord. Is that something that comes naturally for you? If we're being honest, if I'm being honest, my nature, when I see something, is to rant right away. It's not hard for me to see things that I, you know, I could point out. Rejoicing in the Lord is not natural for us. That is why Paul kept on repeating it and he is encouraging us to cultivate this kind of desire in our hearts. It is something that we develop. How are we to develop it? By making that active decision. Continuous decision. Every day, moment to moment. Reminding ourselves to rejoice in the Lord. How does that look like in good times? When your job interview went well. When you received a promotion. When you finally met someone that you know, you believe that that person is the one. Or probably when you found out that you are a dean's lister this semester, what do you do? You rejoice in the Lord. After all, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from Him. We can rejoice in Him. And who among you here can rejoice about something that the Lord has done this week? Can we just praise Him for that? He never runs out of good things that He gives us. There's always reason to rejoice in the Lord. Now here comes the tough part. During bad times, when you just lost your job, when you had an argument with someone, when, you know, when you are on the receiving end of injustice, when you get sick, when your business closes down, when you get imprisoned, I hope not. What are we to do still? We are called to rejoice, not in our situation, but in the presence of the Lord in our lives. Because we know that He is in control. We know that everything, He can actually turn it around for our good. We can rejoice in the Lord. Too many, too many times, you know, um, during good times, instead of Him, we praise ourselves. Oh, I'm so good. And during the bad times, that's when we involve Him. How? By putting the blame on Him. And I'm talking about myself here too. Paul says, you know, that's why he constantly reminds us. In another letter, Paul reminds us in his letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. He says here, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, it does not come naturally to rejoice always, but we know that this is God's will for us. How are we going to rejoice always? How is that possible? Because we have Christ Jesus in our lives. He is the secret to experiencing true and lasting joy. Now, Paul invites us to make this decision every day, and I believe that as we choose to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, joy comes even during the most severe of trials. And as we read chapter 3 of Philippians, we will see how we can find joy in every situation. You might say, Bodhi, it's so hard. 
I don't have anything to rejoice in. I don't have anything to be thankful for. As we read Paul's letter, we see things that we can actually be thankful for. And this is already more than enough to rejoice in the Lord. First, we rejoice in the grace of the gospel. Whatever it is that you're going through every morning when you wake up, when we wake up, before we even check Facebook or Instagram, before we even, you know, fix that cup of coffee, before we think of all the problems that we can face for that specific day, when we open our eyes, we can thank God and we can rejoice because of a new day that He has given us. Every day is a gift. Let us remember when we wake up every day that we are not supposed to be alive. We, need, we should be dead. Because of our sins, we should be suffering in hell. But God extends His grace, something that we don't deserve. He extends His grace. He delays His judgment so that we can come to Him, so that we can turn away from our sins and receive forgiveness, receive the salvation that He gives through Jesus Christ. We are not to spend this delayed judgment trying to save ourselves, contrary to what other people teach. You know, there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Anything that we do in terms of salvation, no matter how great it is, it's a complete waste of energy and time. Paul warns us about this in the beginning of chapter 3. He says in Philippians 3, 2-3, Look out for the dogs, not your pets. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have a reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. During the time of Paul, there were a lot of false teachers, even up to this time, who forced checklists upon people saying that if you want to be saved, this is what you should do. And the checklists during those times, you know, they were saying, oh, if you want to be saved, you have to be circumcised like the Jews. You have to observe their Jewish feasts. You have to observe their dietary laws. You have to obey the law completely. And you know, Paul was saying, enough with those checklists. I'm done with that. If you're going to boast, if you're going to brag that you have done that, I outdid you. I'm actually the valedictorian. I'm actually the magna cum laude when it comes to that. Those checklists. Paul enumerates the things that he could boast about. Paul says, you know, I was circumcised day eight of my existence here on earth. I have the ideal pedigree. I actually come from the tribe of Benjamin. I am the Hebrew of Hebrews. And when it comes to the knowledge of the law, don't me. Paul was saying, I am a Pharisee. I memorized that. Ah, when it comes to the knowledge of the law, I am excellent. When it comes to the observance of the law, I am the best in the eyes of men. That was what Paul was saying. And he was saying, you know, you're, you're talking against people who are preaching about Jesus Christ. When I was on your side, Paul was saying, I wasn't just in the sidelines and talking. I was on the front line. I was the one leading the charge to kill and murder these disciples who were preaching about Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't proud about that. But you know, he was simply saying, if that's what you're going to boast about, try harder. 
you know, to outperform me. If anyone could boast, we see that it was Paul. When we talk about their checklist, Paul was probably the Michael Jordan, the Roger Federer, the Rafael Nadal, the Michael Phelps of religion. And he was saying, you know, unfortunately, when we talk about salvation, it's not about religion or a set of rules. When we talk about salvation, it's all about our relationship with Jesus Christ. You could do all of these things, but with Jesus, it's nothing. Do you attend church every Sunday, whether on-site or online? That's good. But do you attend to get extra points from God? Do you attend to make sure that He loves you more? Do we attend to, to assure our salvation? If that is our motive, then we are very wrong. Because that doesn't add anything when it comes to our salvation. Do you lead a victory group? Do you give your tithes and offering? Do you help the poor? Again, all of those things are good and we are called to do that. But if that is our way to gain salvation, then it all is useless. Again, Paul presented all his achievements and what did he say? He says in Philippians 3, 7 to 8, but whatever gain I had, whatever achievements I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of my surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All of His achievements that He used to boast about meant nothing because it couldn't save Him. He referred to these achievements that he was once proud of, all of his trophies, he referred to them as rubbish. Or in the original translation, food that falls on the table that you could give to dogs. Or it was actually used to refer to dung or excuse the language as well for those who are eating. It was actually used to refer to poop. It was that worthless when it came to salvation. It's like someone knocking on the door of your house and saying, hey, this land is mine. Presenting fake papers. It has no power. When we talk about salvation, it's not about what we do, but what about Jesus Christ did on the cross. And we cannot add to that anymore. It is finished. And I am praying, as I, as I explain what the gospel is for us who already know it, I pray that we will not be over-familiar with it, that every time we hear it, it brings us to our knees. It brings us to a point of thanksgiving and humility. And for the people who are going to hear it for the first time, I pray, I pray that the Lord opens our eyes and allows us to receive this. That is the message of the gospel. It's all about what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He came down from heaven to earth to live the perfect life, the sinless life that we should have lived, to be able to enter the presence of God. And it, not, it did not stop there. He took the punishment that was supposed to be for us. Going up on that cross, that visual that we see, that was supposed to be us. That was the most painful and humiliating death that anyone could ever experience. He took it for us to pay for our sins. And he, you know, he crushed sin. He crushed death when he rose from the dead on the third day. Proving that truly everything that needed to be done for salvation has been finished. We cannot add to it. What's left for us to do? Simply to open up our hearts to receive him and to receive the gift of salvation that for the longest time we have been trying to work for 
in vain. The key is to put our trust in Jesus Christ alone. And when you look at it, when we talk about salvation, the cross is the only thing, the only trophy that we could boast about, that we could lift high and celebrate. The irony, we did not have any participation in it. But it is something that we do not deserve that has been given to us. And we know that it is something that we can celebrate every day, whatever the situation. How can we find joy in every situation? We rejoice in the grace of the gospel. We know that we live today because Jesus Christ died for us. And every day, that is something that we can praise Him for. Can we just give Him praise for that? Second point. How can we find joy in every situation? We rejoice in the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. While others, including myself sometimes, find joy in possessions, in pleasures of this world, find joy in power, Paul was saying that he finds joy in knowing Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3.8, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of my surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In Christ, we will find everything that we will ever need. What is it that you need? You know, Christ can give us comfort that no food or no hug can ever match. You know, Christ can give us peace and rest that no massage or no beautiful travel site could ever give us. A lasting peace, not just for the moment. He can give us love for the ladies that would make your opas moves and lines pale in comparison to. That kind of love, you would not replace it for anything or anyone else. He can give us security that no amount of guards or weapons can ever give us. And finally, He is the only one who can give us the righteousness that we so need to be able to enter the presence of God. And with all of these things in mind, that was why Paul was saying, you know, I could let everything go. Because he saw that everything that we will ever need in this life and beyond it, we can find in Jesus Christ alone. You know, us forcing ourselves to, you know, get this from all of these things. It's like going to a meeting and forcing yourself to bring all the files in your cabinet, all your calculator, your notebooks, your hard drive, your, you know, whatever else you find in your office. It's like forcing yourself to bring all of those things when you can actually just bring an iPad with all of those things there. When you have Christ, when we have Christ, we do not need anything or anyone else in our lives. Nothing compares to the peace that He gives. With Him in our lives, we know that whatever problem, whatever suffering, whatever trial that we face, we know that we can handle it because we know that He has already overcome. And with Him in our lives, even with all of these trials, we know that it can turn into something beautiful because trials are actually wonderful opportunities to experience Him in new, fresh, and personal ways. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Paul's word for it. The psalmist actually invites us, taste and see that the Lord is good. How? In times of need, call on Him and put your complete trust in Him. Are you in need right now? Allow God to be your provider. Don't look at anyone else. Put your faith in Him alone. Are you sick? Allow Him to be your healer. 
call on His name and I am sure that He will answer. Are you feeling down and out? Allow Him to be your strength. Are you, are you in trouble? Is someone harassing or opposing you? Allow Him to be your protector. Allow Him to be your defender. Everything that we need, we will find in Him and everything we need Him to be, He is. That is who Jesus is. That's why Paul was saying, even if I let all of these things go, I know that I will really not lose anything because I have Christ who is far greater than all of those things combined. And trying times are invitations for us to experience Him. So if you're going through a challenge right now, a trial right now, know that God hasn't left you. He's just there waiting for you to call on His name and to put your complete trust in Him. And I tell you, when you allow Him to work, when we allow Him to work, He always pulls through in ways better than what we can imagine. That was what Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. I heard people, I hear people say that, you know, friendships and relationships are forged when we share sufferings. And you know, when it comes to Christ, again, He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And when we are facing trials and we call on Him, there's no way, there's no way where to go really but to know Him in a deeper way. He will, he will always pull through for us. So just continue to put your complete trust in Him. Um, I wouldn't say that enjoy the suffering, but find the joy in suffering. Find Christ in whatever it is that you are going through. The relationship that we have with Him gives us a new identity, gives us a new purpose, gives us a new life, gives us a new hope. We experience all of these benefits through this relationship. And my question for all of us, do you think Christ needs us? Again, do you think Jesus Christ needs us? Not at all. In fact, we are the ones who desperately need Him. Having a relationship with us would not benefit Him in, every, in any way. But the way He pursues us persistently looks like, you know, it looks that way. We should be the ones pursuing Him persistently. That is the great love that is being offered to us. That is the great love that sometimes we set aside. That is the great love that sometimes we take for granted. I pray that as we look at our relationship with Him, that we will not set Him aside. I'm sure that you've experienced people in your life who just come to you when they need something. And, you know, it's not really the best relationship if you're going to look at it. I pray that when it comes to Christ, we wouldn't be that that kind of person. That we would simply just enjoy Him more than the things that He could give because He is our greatest blessing. I pray that like Paul, we would see the surpassing, really, treasure of knowing Jesus Christ. How can we find joy in every situation? We rejoice in the relationship that we have with Him because we know that He will never let us go. Third point, respect. Rejoice in the privilege of receiving God's calling. Now, this is really interesting because this is the same calling that led Paul to prison. This is the same calling that got a lot of the disciples beheaded and killed. This is the same calling that led Jesus Christ to sacrifice His very life on the cross. And we might ask, oh, how can I find joy in a calling that leads to suffering? Again, we take a step back and we go back to purpose. We go back to the purpose of the suffering that we are experiencing. 
I love how Paul frames how his relationship with Jesus started and how his calling started. He says in Philippians 3.12, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I would like to highlight that last phrase, Christ Jesus took hold of me. The original word was similar to, you know, apprehending someone as to a criminal. You see the police when they are running after a criminal and they catch him, you know, the grip that they have on him, they will not let him go at all. And that is the type of call that Jesus has for our lives. When he invites us, when he pulls us in into this relationship with him, he's saying, I will not let you go whatever happens. We might be stubborn and try to run away, but the Lord, he will take hold of us and he will not let us go. That was the kind of relationship that Paul was describing. Paul was actually on his way to do his hobby of killing disciples preaching about Jesus Christ. But that was the time that Jesus encountered him and his life turned around. Pretty much the same, the way that our encounter with Jesus has turned our lives around. And I am declaring that this same encounter would turn the lives of our family members, would turn the lives of our friends around. Those people that you are praying for, we might not see it, but God is already calling him calling them. And I tell you, when he calls them, he will not let them go. He will not quit on them. This is the relationship that Paul valued so much. And he was saying, it was him who took hold of me. It's not as if I was the one who said, hey, Jesus, can we be friends? It wasn't like that. It was Jesus who pursued him. And it is Jesus who is pursuing us incessantly. It is his will for Paul to receive salvation and to receive this new purpose to live for to know Christ, to be like Christ, serving others, putting others first before ourselves, to share in Christ's suffering so that others may experience Him through our lives. And this is the same call that He has for each and every one of us. Paul highlights that the Christian life is not just a one-time encounter. Receiving Jesus and then we're good already. Oh, I'm just going to live my life the way I want to. He's saying that the Christian life is a journey. It is a marathon. That as we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are also to submit to His transforming power so that we could be transformed to be more like Him. Paul likens this call to a race that we are to run. And not just run. You know, we are to run faithfully. We are to run with perseverance. We are to press on. Imagine, for a basketball game, you're on the bench and your coach suddenly says, go play in the court. You know, you get excited. Okay, finally, I get to play. You don't go to the court and say, okay, fine, whatever. You know, you want, you want somehow to be faithful in the trust that has been given to you. And that is pretty much the same. When Jesus Christ pulls us in and invites us to his mission, we would want to run and do it faithfully. We want to make, you know, we want to make him proud. That is our posture. This journey, definitely it won't be easy. We would receive persecution. You might say, you know, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. You know, I, I'm in my classroom and I'm telling them not to cheat and they're laughing at me and they're not talking to me anymore because I won't let them copy. Or it's, it's so hard. I have business partners and I'm trying my best to really uh, do things with integrity. But you know, we always get into fights and I'm always outnumbered. They persecute me in the home. When I pray, you know, people laugh at me when I share about Jesus. 
It's so difficult to be the only Christian in the family. I'm suffering. Let me tell you this, as we live in this world, whether we follow Jesus or not, the truth is we are going to suffer. Whatever it is that you're going through. And you know, if you're running for something great, suffering is bound to happen. I pray that we would put a worthy purpose to the suffering that we're going to experience in this world. Not just looking for accolades here on earth, but really putting an eternal purpose to everything that we are doing. People will mock us, reject us, abuse us. How can we rejoice in that? By remembering that this call to suffer like Jesus Christ did is the very call that put us in the position that we are right now with a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the assurance of eternal life. It was because He suffered that we received the salvation that we have right now. And I pray that when we look at our lives, just as He suffered, just as Paul suffered for the early Christians, I pray that we would be more than willing to suffer as we studied last week, putting other people first before our comfort so that through our lives, Jesus will be able to save some. So that other people might experience this peace, this joy, this, this wonderful relationship that we are experiencing every day. I'm talking about our family, our friends. Again, suffering is inevitable in this world. Might as well put a worthy purpose for that suffering. When we talk about life here on earth, a lot of us want to be part of something big. A lot of us want to make an impact. A lot of us want to make a difference. That's why we joined charitable events, you know? Fundraising or probably, uh, you know, we joined Love the City to help in the relief goods. We sacrificially give our time, our resources to be able to help other people. I pray that we would see it in the greater picture that more than just the problems in this world, that what we are after is an eternal impact. The food that we give, the money that we give out, it will run out. But one thing will never run out for people and that is the love of Jesus Christ. And I pray that in everything that we do, we fight hard for it. We fight hard for this greatest mission that we are invited to participate in. And I say that we are to rejoice in this calling. Why? Because not everyone is given the privilege to be part of it. And imagine this, we are sinners. We have offended our great God. But in His grace, He calls us and He invites us to partake, to, par to partner with Him in this mission. That is a wonderful privilege. How are we going to respond? Are we just going to sit around and let other people do it? Oh, uh, I want to be comfortable in this world. Let's remember, once we receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we are no longer citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. We know that our life here on this, on this earth, we are just passing by. It is but temporary. Which means, you know, the, the struggles that we are facing, they are also temporary. Which leads me to my last point. We can rejoice in the security of eternal life that Jesus Christ has given us through all of the situations that we are experiencing, through all of the struggles, it might seem like it has been forever. But know that there is an end to that suffering because we can look forward. As I said, this life is a marathon. We can look forward to the finish line. And what is the finish line? Paul says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
Salvation is a wonderful thing. Relationship with Jesus is a wonderful thing. But what are we running towards? We are running towards that time, that finish line when we get to see our Savior face to face. And I pray that as we see Him, you know, we long to hear those words and I tell you, nothing will match hearing these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your Master. He suffered for us. I pray that we would be more than willing to suffer for Him. You know, just, it happens to us when we see someone that we haven't seen for the longest time. No, no matter how far that person is, we drop everything to run to that person. We can't wait to be with them. We can't wait to see them. I've, experiencing, I've experienced running marathons and, you know, I felt that I was at the end of my rope. But when I saw the finish line, I pushed hard. And that is what Paul is encouraging us to do. Press on. Persevere. Run the race with perseverance. Run the race with excellence. Run the race with, with faith in your heart. Run towards that prize, which is Jesus Christ. We long for that day where we get to go to our eternal address with no pain, with no fear, with no suffering. But for the moment, as we are in this world, let us remember that He did not save us just for ourselves. He saved us to participate in this mission. He saved us to pursue Him. That is the very purpose for which we were created. To serve Him, to glorify Him, to honor Him in everything that we do. And unless we pursue this, we will not be able to experience true and lasting joy that He wants to give us. That is why today, like Paul, I would like to invite everyone to partake in this mission, to participate in this mission, to give up our comfort for this purpose, to lay down our lives for His glory. It's no longer about what we want. It's all about what He wants. He owns our lives. And after all, this same call that we are laying down our lives for is the very reason why we are alive. Is the reason why we can rejoice in the assurance of eternal life every single day. This is the same purpose for which Christ pursued us persistently that led Him to give up His life so that we may have ours. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Christ suffered for us. And right now, He is asking us to participate in that so that others may be saved as well. Others may experience His love through us. i just like to pray for some people Again, for us to experience that true joy is found not by pursuing things of this world, but by pursuing Christ alone. And if you're wondering, you're saying, Bodhi, I want to experience that joy. I want to know this Christ. I want to have a relationship with Him. He's actually knocking at the door of your heart right now. He's asking you, my son, my daughter, can I come in? I want to be part of your life. I want to give you joy. All we have to do is to open up our hearts to Him. Allow Him to deal with the sin that is in there that is keeping us from Him. And He already paid for that on the cross. We are to receive Him, His forgiveness, and eternal life. 
If that is you, I'd like to invite you to join me in this simple prayer. But you know, the power of this is not in the words, but in the posture of our heart. I'm inviting you every word. Say it with all of your heart. Mean it. And I'm inviting you to say it to Jesus Christ Himself. Just follow after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for dying for a sinner like me. I ask for forgiveness for trying it out on my own. And today I invite you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you died for my sins. And as you rose again, you have made forgiveness available. And I receive it right now. And I also receive the eternal life that only you can give. Help me to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Let's praise God for that. If you pray that prayer for the very first time, we would like to connect with you. You can go to victoryalabang.church connect. We'll be more than happy to help you walk in this journey. And I'd like to pray for each and every person listening to this message right now. Lord, we thank you for reminding us that we can always rejoice in you. Thank you for reminding us that we can find joy in you whatever our situation is. I pray, Lord God, that you fill us with thanksgiving. Allah, open our eyes, not just to look at our situations, but to look to you and trust in whatever you are doing in our lives. Do not allow us to be overcome by fear. Do not allow us to be overcome by anxiety. But Lord, allow us to be overcome by your amazing love and the great gift of knowing you. We praise you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.